Welcome to the Monsters Playbook, a real play Monster of the Week podcast where the real world crashes into the supernatural one over and over again, except for tonight. Tonight we're doing an episode of Book Club Editor Edition. This installment of Book Club is called Deep Cuts. You know, edit, editing pun right there. I am joined by some lovely people and lovely, amazing, talented editors. You'll have to stop me if I start rambling at all because... I don't know about you guys, but I love talking about my editing and music on everything storytelling. We'll just edit it out. <laughs> yeah, we can fix it in post. <laughs> oh boy, this is going to be fun. You all are our listeners are fairly familiar with my voice. My name is Maya. I am a player editor of the Monsters Playbook. And I want to hear who these lovely guests are that I have. Why don't we start with you, Matt? Introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Matt Cole. I am an editor and audio engineer and just general podcast gun for hire. So, hey, if you need me, um, I'm here. But I also got roped into this recording today because I do content editing for the Storyteller Squad, which is another actual play Monster of the Week podcast. I also edit for some other shows, one of which is my main podcast project called Debate This, where we argue about the questions that no one is asking in comic books and video games. Uh, so I edit for Debate This and a lot of the other shows that fall under our banner, as well as the Storyteller Squad, uh, which is my editing in the actual play space. I, well, I love Storyteller Squad, first of all. Really cool to be on a call with you, uh, on this recording with you. I am Ian Malden, and I edit for Shrimp and Crits. Um, as well as some freelance stuff. I now edit from the second or third episode of season two of Monster Hour. I've been editing for them, although they do all their own music and uh, and mastering and whatnot. I've also done some editing for uh, Dimos Paradox, which is a great Lancer podcast. And I did all the music for that, which was super fun. Got to do some cool like sci-fi stuff. Um, but yeah, I edit and host and GM for Shrimp and Crits mostly. Cool. I'm very excited to hear how your guys's experience with editing your own podcasts and then also editing somebody else's. I don't know if you guys know, but my career is a video editor. So oh, wow. I started there instead of doing audio stuff. Uh, so I've been like learning under the gun, which is my favorite way to learn anything and the only way that I will ever learn anything. So I'm very excited to hear how that process is for you guys because Laura and I have kind of started doing that where she does a rough edit and then I do the creative edit. That's a great segue into you guys kind of talked about what you do for editing, but like how did you get started on your editing? Did you decide to do it or did somebody decide that like nobody else wanted to do it so you got stuck with it? Uh, how did you get into this editing game? I sort of became by de facto. I've been a musician since I was like 10. I've always like I picked up a guitar and started writing songs almost immediately. And I though I've never been formally trained, I've always like paid attention when I'm watching my friends, my more talented producer friends edit the music. So I became very familiar with the, you know, the digital audio workstation. Uh, I've learned 
tips and tricks. And so like when I first started editing the podcast was just like reaching back in my own memory or like, oh yeah, oh, a crossfade. This is how they did that. And, you know, things like that. But I just picked it up kind of naturally. Uh, Ryan, my co-host, was going to initially help with some of the editing, but I think that uh, it became a little bit too much time that he had, you know, from what he had on his hands. So, yeah, I think we can all feel that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got started editing audio, gosh, like 10 years ago now, I guess. Uh, so I started in college. My background is actually in terrestrial radio. I was a radio DJ in college uh, and then professionally for a couple of years afterwards. And my college radio experience was the first time that anybody ever like sat me down in front of a dual screen monitor with a mixer and a DAW and said, go nuts, kid. And I had a lot of fun with that um, when I was in college. I was in a fraternity and we did a big lip sync event every year, which was creating a 15 minute compilation of songs and movies and stuff for us to do this whole choreographed routine to. And I got put in charge of doing that every year. And that was really my first like start into editing audio in any sort of like constructive way, I suppose. Uh, and then I started my first podcast in 2017, uh, which is now defunct. And I got hooked up with the guys from Debate This, who I knew through college, in late 2017, early 2018. And I've been editing for that show since the start. And yeah, just kind of figuring it out through radio and editing for Debate This until really these last... I think I've been editing for storytellers for a full year now. Um, so that puts it at about 10-ish months since I decided I was going to try and just like really do the freelance route. Uh, so that's that's sort of how I got to where I am. So kind of a weird question for you, Matt. What is the difference between the terrestrial radio editing and like podcast editing. I kind of have a little bit of understanding because I do radio for my sleep number job, but you might have a better <laughs> point of view as it than I do. Cause I was just like, Oh, you know, audition here, you do this. So I'm like, okay. Sure. Yeah. Terrestrial radio editing is really dependent on what you are actually editing. So if you're, doing ad spots or PSAs or promotional runners or imaging or any of the stuff that you hear between songs that isn't a live person talking. The biggest difference is that it's way, way, way tighter. Um, terrestrial radio is all about like 30, 60, 90. That's as much time as you'll ever have. And how can you fit, you know, 500 words of script into 30 seconds so that the client pays their ad rate? So it's a lot of like learning how to cut out breaths and pauses in a way that makes it listenable versus podcast editing, which is way, way, way looser. So for the storytellers, uh, since I do the like initial audio editing. I don't do a lot of like, let's get everything really tight. Let's make it all sound really clean. I'm doing a lot more of like, 
let's get the content there. Let's get things in the right order. Let's keep things synced. For my other show, I spend a lot of time really organizing dialogue and uh, we're a comedy show and comedy shows are driven by timing. So it's a lot less of how can I crunch all this down and a lot more of how can I make this sound natural? What needs to stay? What needs to go? Where do things need to hit? Uh, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, really, that's that is what I would say is the biggest difference between radio and podcasting is just how much space you can have in podcasting before it starts to be a hindrance to the medium versus radio where like, you know, any dead air is bad. Uh, it's, it's just kind of a different mindset. It's funny, though, that you mentioned the 30, 60, 90 thing, because um, I run into, you know, I'm a big proponent for um, for promo swaps in podcasting. I think it's an awesome way for smaller shows to grow their audience and even bigger shows to continue to grow and get in front of new listeners. But a lot of people starting out don't understand, like in me, myself, when we started out, I think our first promo was like 10 seconds over a minute. And it's, it's, so it's like, it's hard to learn when you're first editing, even especially if you've never had any uh, audio editing experience that like, oh, you have to figure out how to sell your podcast in 60 seconds or, you know, ideally I I've, I've yet to run into a podcast that's like, oh, we're not going to swap with you because your thing's too long. But, you know, it's just like an etiquette thing. Yeah. For the listeners, I got to know Matt through Natalie. Naturally, Natalie was the first person to welcome the Monsters Playbook into the community. I think I saw on our Discord channel recently, Matt, uh, some people talking about like listening to early episodes and Monsters Playbook included. That's just the audio is very different than what we're producing like right now, I adore Johnny, but if I could go back two years, I would strangle him because he was eating popcorn and sunflower <laughs> seeds on microphone. Um, so my, I don't know, I'm guessing your guys' ears as well, but they're so sensitive now to like any sound. Yeah, I'll dunk on the storyteller squad for a second because they're not here to defend themselves. <laughs> Boy, they're a snacky bunch. <laughs> let me tell you. They just, they love their snacks over there, the storyteller squad. It's interesting, right? So like my, I don't mean to keep talking about my show. No, I no, don't no. want this to be gross self-promotion. Do your thing. Um, for debate this, we aren't an actual play show and that audio quality immersion isn't, so crucial for us, right? Okay. You know, like yeah. if it sounds like one of our guys is coming through a Zoom call or if somebody's audio is different, if it's listenable between myself and I have a partner editor for Debate This who does all of our like sound design and audio engineering. So between the two of us, if we can make it sound listenable, like psh, we're good, baby. No worries. Yeah. Um, our first season, though, is rife with bad editing and I'll like just put myself out to die on that hill where like I edited it like radio in some ways. So I was making things really choppy. I was cutting out a lot of natural noise. Um, I was doing a lot of things with envelope edits, which is a really silly way to cut out background noise. Don't do that. Um, I was getting really crazy with 
envelope edits at the time and I don't even know what that I is. Didn't... I was gonna say, can you uh, give us a definition for yeah, the give, listeners? Yeah. The listeners yeah, okay. were oh, wondering. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't. Yeah, wasn't smart enough about that. <laughs> no, no, not for you guys. Definitely. No, for we the, totally, you guys totally know. understand. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I'll I'll use Adobe Audition because that's what I'm used to. Adobe Audition has this yellow line that runs across all the tracks, and if you click on that yellow line, you can move the line up and down to raise the gain of your audio track. Now, if you click on that yellow line, you'll leave a little square there and you can leave another, like you can click again, put another dot, Mm. and then you can move those dots around to create areas where, you know, like your your line goes, I'm trying to use my camera and it's (laughs) auto-focusing, the line goes this way, and then it like spikes up and goes flat again. So like an automation thing. Uh, not really more of like, you know, if you have a track, right. And it's just playing Mm -hmm. and say somebody eats a bag of Doritos in that track, you could absolutely just cut that out Mm -hmm. or you could spend the time and the four extra clicks it would take to put in all of those things and then drag them all down and they got the the name envelope edit comes from the shape of an envelope flap yeah because like the what they are used for most frequently is like say you're talking and you click your teeth really loud Mm -hmm. or you like snap gum or something and it's a really loud really sharp momentary noise you can go in real close drop the audio of just that noise down and it goes away without you needing to like cut the track out. Yeah. So way back in the early days, I was doing a lot of that, which was silly and slow. And I was not tightening things up as much. It's weird. Like I was doing this radio mindset where I wanted people's audio to end right when they were done speaking. But then I was leaving so much dead space that it wasn't, snappy enough Mm -hmm. and that's you know doing like a comedy show versus an actual play those moments in an actual play show where like you know there's a contemplative silence or there's there's a pause for drama or effect like if it's a comedy show you can really lose the momentum uh, momentum yeah yeah exactly you Mm -hmm. can lose the momentum Mm -hmm. from something like that so yeah our whole first season is just Oh boy, every every episode's a half hour longer than it needs to be and it's it's real choppy and it sounds weird and it was only a couple episodes in where the other guy who edits audio was like, "Hey man, you should let me help you." And it got a lot better after that. But yeah. Yeah, does nice. anybody help you uh Ian with any editing, whether it's like the episode or any bloopers or anything? Um the most help I get is from Cap who God bless his OCD because I'm like, I'm pretty laid back. And also like, I don't like doing a second pass because it's less fun. You know, that's just, there's no cooler way to say that. It's just not as fun to listen to the episode again after you've just spent five hours listening to the episode very, you know, whatever. So anyway, Cap helps me monumentally by giving me way more notes than I've, than I ever want. But it like it really, I think, is instrumental to the finished product of our show, because, you know, not only does he catch more 
jokes that are questionable for uh the for you know our audience he also catches you know chair squeaks that i miss because i i usually edit in some version of vera speed some faster version of what of what the episode is but but no one helps me no one else sees the the process mm-hmm. yeah i i think it took let's see i think it took like maybe four episodes that Lauren is just was just like Maya, let me help you because I got so stressed with like trying to keep up, trying to enjoy life, and now it's just oh, it's so much nicer. Like pray, I praise like Lauren and like you, Matt, as well for like the storyteller squad for like just going through and roughing it, and then like I adore the creative storytelling part of it, like adding the music, adding the sound effects, giving or taking away like air for like dramatic uh, presence. When you have the episode, what's the first thing that you do like from start to kind of finish? I know Matt, you can kind of speak to both the storyteller squad as well as your debate this, Um, but what's that process like for you guys? Uh, The first thing I do is download the audio. (laughs) (laughs) click um yeah no i i sync the tracks that's like that is thing numero uno for all editing that i do storytellers debate this other things i am a big proponent of recording your local tracks no matter how remote you may be recording it's just so much better it's just better zoom in particular is really bad about dropping frames and just like dropping your your timing uh, just because of the way that Zoom records. So I always sync up tracks first. And basically, like when I edit storytellers, they send me the six cast member files and then the uh, Zoom master track. I sync the six cast member files to themselves and then kind of roughly sync it up to the master track. Cause I really just use it for guidance as kind of, kind of a roadmap really for me. Thing number one is just getting things lined up and, you know, adjusting that mm-hmm. sync as needed. Okay. What's the most dreaded part of the process is, do you have a dreaded part where you're just like, Oh, I have to do this or I have to, the export's going to take too long. I don't know. <laughs> I had originally thought the doing the recap, because that is what I dread the most. Going through the previous episode, finding the clips I want for it, figure out what I want to say to prepare the listener for, you know, for the episode. That's an absolute uh, nightmare and kind of a slog of a thing to do. I like to joke that the most dreaded part of audio editing is doing it. Cause the hardest <laughs> yeah. thing for yeah. me to do is sit down and start. Ooh, yes. Once I'm yeah. going and I like settle into that flow. It, it's totally cool. Yeah. But... When it totally like works and like, and you're just like, yeah, this sounds awesome. I'm great. <laughs> like this edit's great. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I dread the most is the, the text message or the email that says, so-and-so's audio isn't good. You need to pull it from the Zoom call. Yeah. Oh, baby. Yeah. Boy, howdy, is that the worst? Yeah. Yeah. John is uh, a big criminal 
with that. I mean, I love him. He's my fiance. I guess I have to love him. But the past couple of episodes, we've had to pull a Zoom call. But I mean, this like like cements your advice from earlier, Matt. Like, always have a backup because mm-hmm. or else we we would have lost like five or more episodes. You know, every time I record with somebody else, I tell myself I'm going to make my cast start recording their backups. But we we don't we don't do it, and it, it's not good that we don't do it but we don't hey knock on wood for you (laughs) nothing happens (laughs) yeah man no thoughts just vibes i dread the inevitable moment where i forget to clear space on my hard drive and i don't have space on my hard drive to move files around i'm like what am i gonna do (laughs) yeah i am not paid by this company (laughs) unless they would like to pay me in which case i will absolutely be paid by this company but (laughs) I bought a new microphone this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the Audio-Technica 3500. Okay. And the best thing about this microphone is that it has a minus 10 dB filter switch. Yeah. Which is a real fancy way to just say, like, anything under my speaking volume, it just doesn't record. Uh, and it's, like, a built-in noise gate. So I have a mechanical keyboard, and I can, like clack on my keyboard and I don't know if it'll come through in the zoom recording but on my audio file it's like totally clean wow. it's not there at all and I've got like I have like five fans in my PC and it doesn't pick that up and I was recording with a blue yeti up until literally the beginning of this mm-hmm. year and I had that problem constantly so I cannot say enough good things about a mic with a filter switch um, I'm sure other mics have them, but mine is an AT3500. So I have that switch on my microphone, but I've, I've always been like, why would I want my microphone to be quieter than it is? <laughs> like, oh, Ian. <laughs> mine also has that, that switch. Y'all, you're living life in hard mode. What are you doing? Hey, you're the one that's doing that did the envelope edit. You're right. <laughs> yeah, five years ago. Hey, we can we can change. We can learn. Ain't no stamps on my edit. <laughs> Man, like it's uh, it's your party. You can cry if you want yeah. to, but boy, howdy, do I love this switch? Makes my life a lot easier. It's the real problem is that I really love the browser game Snake, or just like the the old mobile phone game Snake. And if I get bored in a recording, I'll just like pull up Snake on my other monitor and start playing it. And with this clacky mechanical keyboard, uh, my my show does a real play D&D show for our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I enjoy playing tabletop games. I do not enjoy playing tabletop games online. It drives me nuts yeah. and I get really bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was like one episode we recorded where... You know, my character like screwed off on his own and then they were doing this whole story thing with the other three guys. And I was like, well, play some snake. (laughs) And then uh, I went to edit it and was like, oh, whoops. Damn it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the worst of screens. How many screens do you guys have? Two. Two. Okay, I have three. Nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I, I like my three screens, except... One of them, the one that, like, honestly, I only use it probably for Discord is, like, the thin, long one that's, like, supposed to be for editing. But I tried using it, and it's just, everything was too small. Uh, Whereas, like, my other two are more, like, square-esque. But, like, 
all three of my screens are all different. So that's a little chaotic, but I need a new desk setup. I don't like my current desk setup. I do too. I would have more monitors if I could. If I had space or money for more monitors, <laughs> my office would look like a Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> nice. I just want all the monitors. Yeah, I would totally mount one of these like monitors like above the other two, but there's like a window directly here. So I have a limited, I share my office with the guest bedroom. My fiance hates it when I call it my office. She's like, that's our guest bedroom. <laughs> but that, <laughs> guest that, office. Uh, that being said, I had to get rid of my awesome, like legit studio home studio desk and I replaced it with a much smaller desk. But yeah. I bought a laptop stand that it attaches onto the side of the desk and I can like swivel my laptop around. Ooh, and like, so like that's, that's my other screen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I love it. Wow. Yeah. That's real cool. I have, a, I like I have a whole Pinterest board that's just like future office. I got this desk from a roommate who moved out unceremoniously a few years ago. It's very small and very broken and now just has things drilled into it. Like my boom mic stand is just like two inch <laughs> drilled into my desk. Like it cost me no money and it is worth no money. I also have no money, but I would love a new desk. <laughs> Um, but sorry, speaking of, uh, continuing speaking of microphones and like equipment, you brought up that your microphone mat is drilled <laughs> into your desk. I think I've gone through, oh, hold on. There's a garage opening right now. <laughs> <laughs> John Wander. That's the other thing that's like so different about my show than real play shows, right? Like I, when I work with Natalie, she cuts out a ton and ton a ton of background mm -hmm. noise, which is the genre. Yeah. I get it. I'm I'm not arguing against that by any means. But like, there are so many of our episodes where one guy in the middle of the podcast will be like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> As like a train rolls by on the outside, and we'll just crank the audio up and let it go. We were doing that for a bit because we have a character a side character that that rode a motorcycle. So when motorcycles drive by my house constantly and I'm in the bedroom yeah. closest to the street. So anytime a motorcycle would ride by, I'd be like, there's Seab. Seab <laughs> enter. We almost like made it can't like canon that whenever a motorcycle drives by, it means Seab just enters the scene no matter what's going on. That's awesome. So I love that so much. Too much chaos. Before I was interrupted by the garage, I think I've gone through maybe three different microphone setups and I'm still not happy with it. Like I have one of those heavy bases and that's just like a boom arm. Whereas before, like I've had the similar kind of crane as you map, but I don't have the proper desk for it and I didn't want to drill into it. I don't know. Do you guys have any advice? Like how should people, <laughs> how should people set up their microphones? I know somebody was like asking about like the equipment. Like, what advice do you have about that? I'm living life on the edge over here. I'll I'll send you a picture. Both my uh, laptop stand and my mic, like swivelly mic thing, they're just like um, whatever the stock, you know, th clamp mount. They're just they're just on there, so they're not screwed in. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, the I don't know. Nothing's broken yet. So again, not we're doing a lot of knocking on wood. It's <laughs> recording. <laughs> You're gonna walk away from this like a changed man. 
<laughs> oh, I will. Lord. That reminded me that my previous microphone setup, I had one of those clamps, but because of how my desk is, there isn't enough of a lip for the like, clamp to grab. So John took like a like a thick plywood and clamped it to that, and then put it on my desk. That was a thousand percent gonna be my suggestion. I was like, just get a fat piece <laughs> of plywood, yeah. slap that baby down on your desk. <laughs> Before I had this microphone, I had the Yeti blue, the blue Yeti mm-hmm. microphone. That's what Cap has. That, oh boy, Ian, you're just the oh, you're just doing it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I wasn't proud of those pictures, but there they are. <laughs> cable management's for the week. <laughs> Please help me. I mean. It could be worse. At least you have it clamped to like a desk. Listen, I'm talking a lot of smack for somebody who is unwilling to send a picture of my desk (laughs) right now. Um, It's pretty hectic. I have uh, a cut up old mattress topper on my back wall because I can't afford soundproofing. But re-microphones, I had the Blue Yeti. It sucks. Every podcaster starts with us because it's $120 and every how to start a podcast listicle is like buy a blue yeti microphone it's the worst it's terrible now that said you can make the blue yeti a lot better if you just put it on a boom mic stand Mm -hmm. boy do i love boom mic stands i'm all about boom mic stands i have mine like i said like attached to my desk but i was in that same boat where i just had the stock clamp and finally found a place where I was like, I don't think I really want to move this from here and and attached it. I used to have, yeah, like I got a two by four and I put it along the very back edge of my desk and drilled that in and then clamped it to the back of the two by four. But I think it's probably because I started in radio and the standard in radio is a boom mic arm with microphone on a shock absorber. So I'll move my mic into frame and it's got like one of these fun little things I, I was talking away from my microphone. <laughs> idiot, so. <laughs> Fix that hey, in post. Yeah, your in. editor's gonna be pissed. <laughs> Can't wait to leave that <laughs> in. Yeah. I mean, a boom arm with a shock absorber or a shock mount, like that solves a lot of problems. And yeah. I cannot say enough about just getting your microphone off your desk. Yeah, I was just about to say that, like, don't have it on the desk. I know when we started out, I think Lauren had a Yeti, but she had it where like it was on the mount and it was on her desk, and her and I love Diet Coke. And so whenever she'd set it on her desk, you would hear it and like it would vibrate. It was very rough. I got to say, I love you dunking on the Blue Yeti because that's what Cap has. <laughs> nice. And Cap's Excellent. of my co-host, Cap is the most likely to listen to this episode. <laughs> Hi, Cap. Hi, Cap. Hope you're enjoying the episode. <laughs> I mean, I loved mine for a long time and it... I think they come out of the box pretty okay. It sounds good. You yeah. know, like they they're they're not a terrible microphone for the cost. It's just that like for an extra $30 you can get so much more mm-hmm. that it's not really worth it. And I think the thing that scares people is USB mic versus XLR mic. Mm-hmm. But you can get better USB mics than a Blue Yeti and you can get USB mics that play better with a boom stand than a Yeti. Like, of the four of us on my podcast, only two guys have an XLR mic, and the other two use USB mics, and it sounds fine. But I don't think Blue Yetis last very long, and the condenser gets really worn out, and they just pick up everything. Mm -hmm. 
like it even on the the single cardioid mode they pick up everything i've learned that but we do uh for our for our patreon we do it's caps characters ari and we do an asm ari special where (laughs) it's not real asmr but he just reads stories and he's got this like monotone like i will read you alice in wonderland you know like that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. um and yeah when when it's just him you know not with whatever compressor zencaster puts on their recording and um and and you know the volume cranked way up it's like oh wow it sounds like you're in a freaking wind tunnel it's challenging Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think audio i mean you guys know audio in general is just hard like whether it is the environment or like the computer program like we've definitely had issues where it's just like why is my microphone like blowing out or like not loud enough it's like oh we'll zoom or the computer is controlling it it's just like no give me that that feet or that control or like talking too far away from your mic too close to the like audio is hard but fun i said earlier that's one of the big differences between like an actual play and a not actual play is the necessity for that audio immersion just isn't really there and i think that's really difficult. It's been interesting for me working with the storytellers because the things I hear and I'm like, that's fine. And the things that Natalie hears and is like, that's not fine are often very different. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's just part of working as a team and and figuring those sorts of things out and navigating those um, disagreements. But the level of audio quality, I think, should always be viewed with what podcast listeners are used to, you know, like there are some really high quality podcasts with some really garbage audio quality. And I was listening to one this weekend that was like a, a docu-series podcast. And I was like, man, if you would have run this through one DSer and we would have had a much better time, <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it sounds like you're cooking bacon and it's miserable. Yeah. And I, there are plenty of, Shows I listen to, like, um, oh, I think it's called Unlocking Us. It's Brene Brown's podcast. She often interviews guests with just, like, straight-up Zoom audio, you know? And and the thing with podcasting is that everybody wants it to sound perfect, but I think there's also this understanding amongst listeners that, you know, there is an acceptance of the audio quality that you can achieve and an understanding that, Nobody really exists in perfect audio. And I I think if you, I think it's really easy to over edit a show and get it to that place where you have cut so much that it just sounds unnatural. Mm -hmm. I I think that's particularly important to keep in mind in the actual play space where a big appeal to an actual play podcast is feeling like you're sitting down at the table with everyone. And like, uh, so it's like, you don't, you don't want it to sound like, you're not like you're there with someone who's more perfect than a person can be. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. my friends don't talk that way. I know I was really hard on myself with like, Oh, it needs to sound great. And just feeling so frustrating with how like poor the audio quality was. Lauren was really great. (laughs) Just in general in grounding me a lot. I'm just like, Oh my God, this one's horrible. Just like, no, it's fine. But I've always compared or thought about like how critical role started like, just streaming on 
Was it like Twitch? I don't even remember the platform, but it was crap. Yeah, I think it was Twitch. And like, I remember going back and trying to watch it and it just being so tough to like watch because just the quality wasn't there. But then like, look at them now. So it's just like, you're not the only one who started from the bottom up and you just get better over time and you learn over time. Well, and there are tons of really great and popular play like again especially play podcasts there are a lot of really great uh and popular actual play podcasts that the audio is sometimes you know very questionable so it's like it's easy to have decent audio that's what i I mean the biggest surprise for me starting a podcast was some of our first and biggest compliments were hey your audio quality is really good for a new podcast and i was like i don't have no idea what i'm doing are you joking (laughs) yeah i think one of the things that's really hard to especially in the audio drama the real play space is that your episodes are connected from the beginning of a season right where with my podcast that's a comedy show it's easy to tell somebody be like yeah it started season three like the first two seasons it's fine um but with a a real play show it's hard you know if your first 10 15 episodes are busted and you don't wrap a season until episode 100 then it's really hard and and it makes that pitch of your show that much more difficult and what's even harder about that is nobody tells you that until you're like 30 episodes in. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, like I always say, if I could go back and start all over from the very first day of debate this, I'd make an episode zero. And I'd put an episode at the very beginning of our feed that said, Welcome to this show. You don't have to listen to every episode, skip the first one or something. Yeah. You know, because like, Boy, the number of times that that I have people tell me like, oh, yeah, like I I started at the very beginning and I'm listening all the way through. I'm like, why? (laughs) Why are you doing that to yourself? I don't even listen to that. Stop it. Yeah. Nobody's listened to that for years. So, yeah, that's that's the challenging thing kind of about uh, actual play podcasts. I know we kind of touched on it of like, what's the most like painful part, but like, what's the biggest challenge for you in editing? It can be anything from budgeting your time to edit, getting people to, <laughs> to clap properly, anything like that. Do you like, do you guys have a biggest like challenge? I can think of some for me. So, okay. So the, I, I wanted to touch briefly on the clapping thing because um, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's hysterical. Like we don't do it because yeah. we were, we were like in a, a similar Similar vibes. I'm not paid by Zencaster. And also there are pros and cons to Zencaster. So I'm not trying to shill for Zencaster. But we've used Zencaster since the very beginning. And they automatically take all everybody's audio and put it in a folder. So when I import that audio into my project file, it's already synced up, which is pretty cool. So like when I started editing for Monster Hour... And I got my, I put it, you know, I put it all together in the workstation and they did the clap. And I was like, 
whoa, okay. So like, what is the clap? Do, they clap? do <laughs> I need to make mean? them clap at the same time? <laughs> clap sequentially? Like, <laughs> what does like, it all mean? I'd heard people talk about the clap, but I had never like worked with it. So it was, I, I had to learn it on the fly just by process of elimination. Because <laughs> I, I didn't want to message Quinn. Hi, Quinn, if you're listening. I didn't want to message Quinn and be like, hey, so like, how does the clap, the clap work, man? <laughs> Because then I he might that. fire me because <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> this, this is so funny, but that's so cute. I love that story. I mean, I can explain for like us why we do it because I believe the Storyteller Squad, I don't know what you like, you met, they do it way differently than us. <laughs> it's because I beat them into it. It's because I came in and I said, if I'm going to edit for you, you're going to clap my way, you nerds. So, um, I, I think it'd be interesting. I'll explain like why we, why we do it. So Lauren and I both come from a video background and for video, the white clapper, we call it a slate. So like having that on camera and then it making the hard sound of like the clap, uh, helps line up the audio and the video. That's why we do it. We just do it one at a time in the same order every single time. And we line it up with the Zoom audio and then we just edit from there. But like from there, it's just super like flexible. Like I've taken and just shifted it around. I stole our way from Griffin McElroy. <laughs> so if you don't like it, you can complain to them. But we, when I say we, one of my other co-hosts and myself, went to this event in Seattle a number of years ago called PodCon. And Griffin McElroy did an editing session of like, watch me edit an episode of Mabim Bam. And it was fascinating because Griffin <laughs> McElroy, one of the like, I don't know, top 10 podcasters in the world, sat down with his Mac laptop and was like, so we still use Audacity because it's free. Oh, and boy. I was like, what? <laughs> What <laughs> image shattered? Uh, yeah. So, and I, you know, I'm not really like a huge McElroy listener, but the biggest thing he said is like, you know, we use this way to sync up all of our tracks because we all record remotely, and this is the way that works the best for us. And my podcast, when it started, we had a guy living in Colorado, and like. Riverside FM and Zencaster weren't really a thing in late 2017 when we got started. And so we were all recording our own tracks from the beginning. And what I was originally doing was I would take my headphones off and hold them over my microphone. And each guy would go around and say something. And then I would sync <laughs> up Whoa. what they would say. Oh, yeah. boy. Because um, we didn't... Holy we have never shit. like we don't record the Zoom call <laughs> like we don't have a master backup or anything. But you do now. So we no, we still oh. don't. Oh. We don't record any. I mean, if we lose audio, it's just like, well, guess that episode doesn't come out. Oh, that's true. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a comedy yeah, it's, one. It's serial. It's not sequential. Yeah. Um. So then we switched to this way that Griffin McElroy talked about at PodCon, which it uses this website called Time.is which is just a universal clock on the internet. And you just pick two times and everybody claps. And we usually just like clap five seconds apart and you clap twice. And the reason that we do it that way is less so that I can get like a perfect on the mark sync and more so that when I open a four hour raw file, which is what I get from storytellers or like a two hour raw file, which is what we record, 
I can immediately see in everybody's tracks where there are two huge spikes. Mm -hmm. I don't have to zoom in at all. I don't have to search. And like when I first started editing for storytellers, they were doing this count thing where like they would go through the same order every time somebody would say one, somebody would say two, somebody would say three. And then they would. S- there's a hundred of them. It seems like there is. There's so many people there's, on that there's show. There's so many people. On that yeah. Show. <laughs> there's so many people on that show, and 95 of them are Natalie. But um, the, the it was so hard because like you know everybody would send me a four hour raw track all within like. 10 to 15 minutes of each other yeah. and I'm scrubbing through waiting for somebody to say <laughs> three. It's like it's, oh, boy. oh God, it was maddening. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like I said, I don't really sync to the Zoom Master because the Zoom Master does get a little drifty yeah. as far as time goes. So if everybody's claps aren't perfect, it's not a big deal. I'm going to nudge things around anyway. Like, you know, sync is is a good way to start and is not something I pay attention to after the first like 15 minutes of audio. So really for me, it's just like ease and quickness and it cut half an hour out of my editing time from Mm -hmm. trying to find when everybody said it and, and adjust it to the zoom call. And then like heaven forbid somebody's internet clipped. And instead of four, I get, and it's like, well, that's helpful. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we do. Um, two slick claps. Cause it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. That reminded me that, uh, our first couple episodes, we actually used zoom audio because we were not professionally doing a podcast, but we learned very quickly during the edit that when somebody mutes themselves on zoom, zoom doesn't keep that dead air. It moves <laughs> it. So like, what? <laughs> Yeah, so like, say it was the three of us, and in the end, like, I end up like muting myself. My track will be shorter than your guys's if you like don't mute the whole time. It was maddening. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any like, what sense does this make in any world whatsoever? Like, oh, (laughs) it was it was insane. I won't dunk on the storyteller squad. I'll dunk on my own podcast. There are four of us who host the show, and two of us were communications majors in college. One was a sociology major, and the other was an audio engineering major, and that has left us all with different abilities to alter our usage of filler words, and I have one co-host who is not as good at not using filler words as some of the rest of us, and so every time he hosts an episode and I sit down to do it, I'm like... Okay, it's going to be one of those days today. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, which, you know, is not a riff on my co-host. Like, he's a great podcaster, and I love co-hosting with him. But I went to school for radio broadcasting, which is not something anyone should do. But I did it, and all I got from it was this stupid ability not to say um all the time. And not every podcaster gets that. And so I think... The biggest challenge for me as an editor is adapting to other people's speech patterns and making sure that I am not over editing somebody's own personality out of their track. Uh, We had a guest on our show. 
He is a black guy who hosts a black nerd podcast that's very like barbershop and colloquial and like not your your white bread Ohioan type of conversation. And as I was editing the whole time, I was like, I want to make sure I don't whitewash this guy's speech Mm -hmm. because his speech patterns are different than mine. And it's the same with people who have a stutter or uh, an um and filler word a lot is like that is part of your personality. It's part of your dialect. It's part of the way you speak. And my goal as an editor isn't to change you. It's just to make you sound the way you sounded in your head. So knowing what ums need to stay, what ums need to go, what mistakes are worth keeping just so that it sounds human is is probably the biggest challenge for me. It's particularly hard as a narrator, as like an improv, as a GM, essentially for a, for a RPG game. I, I realize I use, well, I realize Ryan called me out one time for saying sort of too much. And I noticed that I was doing it particularly when I was just totally going, you know, Im- going to full improv, but trying to narrate a cool yeah. thing. And it's like, oh, but when I say sort of, I'm weakening what, you know, just the way that works. I'm weakening the description. It's like, no, no, it's not sort of a boat. It is yeah. a boat. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Okay. I might be the only editor out there, but the biggest challenge for me is like staying focused. I am notorious. Like I have three screens. I am notorious for having the editing session up, Discord also up, and me in Discord with my friends watching them play a game, and I have either YouTube or Netflix or Spotify also playing. I just have to have something sort of going in the background while I edit. I mean, I have focus issues, but it's like the, uh, my, I guess my solution is yeah. the opposite. Like, I can't, I can't have anything else on. Like it, it has to be the only thing in front of me. Otherwise, I'm doing whatever the other thing is, and only half at it. You know what I mean? Like I have issues focusing, but when I can get into that, when I can jump into the river, I yep. do get swept away into the like the hyper focus yeah. mode, which is always what I'm trying to die. We all into. are. I, I feel you. I was try- I was chasing that last night. It was not coming. <laughs> yes, yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. I definitely have a similar issue. I can tell you being diagnosed with adult ADHD helped, but I am also, uh, I'm really into Overwatch. I'm really Mm -hmm. into Overwatch, you guys. It's a sad problem to have, let me tell you. But Twitch is great. I almost always have audition on my left screen and then just like somebody playing Overwatch on the right screen. Yeah. And the best part about it is that I listen to it on mute. So when I'm editing at three in the morning, I find somebody playing Overwatch in like Russia and then I'm watching something. It doesn't matter if I can't understand it. But I also like I need extra stimulus to really keep myself in it unless it's like Like this morning, I had to edit for a debate this because I forgot to do it over the weekend and our episode went out today. And so this morning I was like, I'm in, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm right here. I'm like focused in, but especially like you guys are both players in the shows that you edit. I am not, Um, I am not a player. I haven't listened to all of storytellers. I don't know how Monster of the Week works. Like, I have a grasp of tabletop role-playing games, and I have a grasp of narrative storytelling, but I'm not familiar with the game. And I think, in some ways, it's really helpful for me because it allows me to be more objective about 
what I'm hearing and less concerned about how it plays with the game or, or how it flows for storytelling or anything like that. I can objectively look at something and be like, sorry, that just sounds bad. And I'm going to take them saying, roll a something check from somewhere else in the audio and I'm going to paste it in here because this sounds bad. Yeah. But the flip side of that is that, you know, I've been editing for them now for 26 episodes. That sounds right. I've, I've kind of lost count, but 20 some episodes. And at this point, I know the characters. I know the people. I've been in the Discord. I consider everybody from the Storyteller Squad friends and I care about the show that they're doing. But I am not always engaged enough to be like, oh, I'm just really in the scene. Like, I can't put this narrative down because at the end of the day, I'm not as pulled into it. So Mm -hmm. there is definitely that desire for external stimulus. Mm -hmm. I I will say it was super interesting editing the Dimos Paradox. It was a finite series. It was always intended to be that just, you know, they recorded the story they wanted to tell and then it was over. Uh, but Lancer is a game that I had never even heard of before I started editing the show. I mean, I knew I knew Reed and I knew that they did Bring Your Own Mech, which was a mech show, which is still a show that's going that also plays Lancer. But, you know, other than that, I didn't know what Lancer was. And so it was super interesting editing a show that I didn't know the rules for. And it, it presents a challenge because, yes, there are times where you're like, OK, I can cut. They're just talking about rules here. So I can probably cut it, but like, what if that rule is very important for the audience to know in this moment? You know, so that was an, and and even to a lesser extent, because it's powered by the apocalypse. So very similar to games that I know very well, but, you know, similar editing Monster Hour, which they're playing Quinn's game Absurdia. I had played once, but don't know the rules as intimately as Monster of the Week. Yeah, that's something that we are trying to figure out when we're, and are still figuring out like how much of the rules do we want to include? Like there's a podcast that I listen to where like they cut out all of their roles. Like it's just the story. The only time they ever talk about their role is when it's like something that's super high stakes, which was interesting. And I was like, do we want to do that? And I was just like, no, like one of the bits for us is just sometimes how we react <laughs> to the role. Oh, yeah. I respect the decision to do to do the cut out the roles thing. Like that's a very bold and cool choice. But for me, as a even as a listener, like I want those. I want to. I want to suffer and celebrate with the podcaster. Music and sound effects. How do you guys handle it? How do you use sound effects or music? Uh, no, not really. Um, sometimes we do the air horn gets thrown out every once in a while. Nice. Hell yeah. And so like we just, the episode we released today, instead of ending with our typical play out music, we ended with Kid Rock's cover of Sugar Pie Honey Bunch, which is terrible. <laughs> it's awful. That sounds so it is bad. As, it's worse than you think, Ian, I promise. But um, it was mentioned in the episode. So like we do stuff like that as kind of a bit. Um, and my co-editor, our audio engineer typically adds them. It's the same for storytellers. I cut everything up and send it to Natalie and she does a lot of the audio engineering. Mm -hmm. I do some soundscaping for some other audio content that I work with. Um, but I don't do much of it in the podcast space right now. 
Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the big appeals for a lot of people for Shrimp and Crits is that we do our own music. I try to do sound effects pretty sparsely, mostly because it's a lot of extra time. And also, like, I don't always love hearing sound effects in other in other shows, to be honest. And um, so it's like I try to only use it if it's like a really impactful or necessary moment. Yeah. Like, does it add to the story? Right, right, right. But yeah, our music is super it's super fun to make. It's one of the things that really like that made me just dive into this hobby. It's like I I played in, you know, rock bands or whatever for a long time. And I was really burnt out on the cycle of playing shows and, you know, weekly rehearsals that didn't feel like they were always, you know, for anything. And so being able to continue music in a different and new and refreshing way, you know, blending, I play guitar. So like blending guitar, like organic guitars with digital synth music was really fun. I bought an electric drum kit. Ooh, ooh. Sometimes I, John has rather one. than programming the drums, I play them, which is super fun. So like, if you're making your own music, what? how does that go into the process? Like, how long does that take you to add the music to your edit? Once the song is made, it doesn't take me very long. Um, the only thing is like, sometimes I use a plugin called Ambio Orbit and it, it, it's like it kind of is like a spreader, like it makes stuff sound wider than it is. And I can also do really intense, like not only pan it to the right, but pan it like above. Oh, sick. Like or or below. Cool. It's it's pretty it's pretty fun to mess with. Almost every song I add to the podcast, I make it very wide because I think it mixes well when because all of our audios in the, you know, exactly in the center for our speaking voices. So like wrapping it in the music just ends up sounding really cool. But anyway, so sometimes once I get it into the episode, it sounds completely different from how I mix it. So sometimes at that point, I'll go back and um, do some tweaking. But once the song is done, it takes me um, just a little bit to figure out where it goes. I, I usually get very lucky just the way I write the music. I will, you know, tend to write it in such a way and then drop it where I want to drop it. And it's like, sometimes I'll get super lucky where it'll be like a quieter part and then it'll get, have like a really cool, like, uh, moment right when the vote, right when the dialogue kind of begs it to. And it's like, oh, yeah. man. I've had that cool. happen too. Yeah. I love those moments. <laughs> They're so beautiful. So do you make the music before editing the episode? Um, not, uh, not often. I usually edit the episode as I go, as I edit, I'll make a, I'll make a note. I'll say, Hey, you know, Hey, future self, I think, um, a, a faster paced rock song would be good here. Or like this needs some like sweet little chimey music or, you know, whatever. And then I'll make the song later with that in mind and uh, and then, yeah, and then go back and drop it in. Each song takes me a few hours to do, probably. Speaking of music, I've found it interesting that the way that I organize my... I use ep Epidemic Sound for music and sound effects, and the way that I organize it is by episode. Like, I don't mind if we repeat a song, but, like, in a future episode... Like, I think Natalie does it by, like, mood, like, scary or, like, exciting or so-and-so's, like, theme. 
And I found that so interesting, but I just use playlists in Epidemic where I'm just like, okay, episode whatever. And then as I'm working on it, I just throw music and sound effects into that. And then when that's done, I just move on to the next one. Does Natalie do all the scoring for for that show? She does do all of the scoring for Storytellers. Natalie does a ton of work on Storyteller Squad. Like I definitely do not want to undersell the work oh, sure. that she does because it's rad. Um, so I stick almost entirely to content uh, for them. Every once in a while, if audio needs cleaned up, I do stuff like that. And we talked about changing our workloads up a little bit so that I would be doing some more stuff and we just couldn't find a way that we could guarantee her creative vision for the show transferred to me, which is totally fair. I do a lot of soundscaping for like other audio mediums that aren't exactly podcasting stuff that gets uploaded to Reddit and then is tagged with NSFW tags. But I do have a lot of audio for that. And I really love free sound. I believe it's freesound.net, uh, which is just a like open source sound effect library. Uh, and I get a lot of stuff from there. Uh, and then I really love using, um, I do not have epidemic sound yet, although I'll probably get it soon. Um, I really like using a lot of royalty free stuff just because podcasting is so weird that I like finding things that I know nobody's going to content tag. So for the first podcast I did, I had like beat pad and I was making my own lo-fi hip hop for that. And I made like 10 tracks and was like, these 10 tracks will be good forever. I never need to spend time doing this again. Uh, and now I, if I need audio i typically use like pixabay has a really good non-licensed music library i get a lot of stuff from there and i just kind of find what i need as i need it and i've got a big library on my computer but i don't i don't do any of the um like composing or or soundscaping for storytellers right now on the subject of like cataloging your the music you've used and whatnot. Um, I do a lot of reusing of, of melodies and themes and, but like I'll change up the totally the song of what, you know, what it is. So if I'm trying to like draw a certain connection or, you know, say a character has changed dramatically since the last time I used their song, I'll often open up the old project file and then instantly rename it to whatever I want it to be at the time. And then like, just copy paste that melody sometimes even to a completely different synth or instrument or whatever. My cataloging is also very chaotic and not, there's no like this was in episode, you know, 42. It's all just, you know, I'll give something a creative name and just hope I remember what it is. Can I, can I ask a question that I'm curious about? Um, yeah, go ahead, please. What mouse do you guys use? I'm always very curious about editors, mouses. So this is this is fun. I like this question. <laughs> uh, like I said, I started editing in college in my college's like radio production room, uh, and I just had like a mouse ass mouse. And then after I graduated, and when I first started podcasting, I had a laptop, and that laptop had a trackpad, and I just didn't use a mouse, and I didn't use wow. a mouse for the first 
four-ish years that I was editing. And then I built this PC last year, late 2020, early 2021. And that was the first time I ever had a mouse. Uh, So I have the Razer Black Widow Mini um, corded because Bluetooth mics are a scam. (laughs) Uh, And it has to my left click and my right click, a scroll wheel. It's got a button behind the scroll wheel and two buttons on the left and right. None of those macros are set for anything other than default, my dude. <laughs> um, and I, I use no mouse shortcuts because I'm a heathen. <laughs> Impressive. Do you have, you said you have a mechanical keyboard, right? Yeah. I also have a mechanical keyboard. And then my mouse. Oh, I love my mouse. I think mine is a Corsair, if I'm pronouncing it right. Oh, it's shiny. Wow. Um, it has 10, no, 12 buttons. And they all do have <laughs> shortcut keys. Our sessions, like the raw can start from, or the raw session for us would be like maybe four to six hours. And then we get it down to like two. So I don't know, uh, c- compared to you guys, like how your how long your sessions start and when then where they end. It's about half. Yeah, yeah. I, I usually get like three to four hours from storytellers, give or take. Uh, And then I usually end up cutting 30 to 40 minutes out. Uh, And then I think Natalie tends to cut some after that. But yeah. And then for debate this, I do cut out some, but it's less. It's like 15, 20 minutes, give or take. Mm -hmm. I I lied earlier. I said my mouse was a black widow. Uh Uh, My keyboard is a Mm. black widow. My all of the razor things have these really edgy names. My mouse is a Death Adder <laughs> Mini, the Death wow. Adder Mini, um, which I think is ridiculous. But yeah, I got so used to editing with a trackpad that when I had a mouse, I was like, I don't know how to use this, <laughs> and I had to reset some of my hotkeys and audition to only use with my left hand, because I was so used to having both of my hands on the keyboard. Um, and that's been an experience. Can, can I, sh- wait, can I show you guys my mouse? Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, I, I, wanna, wanna I wanna about... hear what your equipment is. Like, how can we shame you some more since? Uh... <laughs> hey, my mouse, I'm a little, I'm a little bit proud of. I, I won't speak, hey, I won't show speak too much, but I do like my mouse. It's this Kensington trackball mouse. Mm. And it's got this Whoa. super nice like ergonomic wrist situation. I need that. And these buttons. It's for, it's got a a scroll wheel that goes around it and these buttons are lovely. It's just cuz I I basically That's don't awesome. need to move my hand at all when I'm editing. So how often do you feel like you're directing a spaceship with that? Oh, that's honestly the main main selling point for <laughs> that's it. That's why you got it. Yeah. <laughs> So what about your keyboard? Uh, my keyboard, I just, it was a hand-me-down for my fiance. Uh, looks like it's Logitech. It's nothing too fancy. Maybe, you know, when I'm not planning a wedding, I'll I'll invest in a better keyboard situation, but. <laughs> yep, I feel that. I feel that a lot. Um, I was going to ask, <laughs> since we're talking about equipment, mouse pads, do you use them? How big is yours? I had never used used a mouse pad because I didn't have a mouse. True. And then I bought this ridiculously sick ghost rider mouse pad (laughs) 
on Etsy for like six Hell bucks. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah, my mouse pad. That. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's so good. What about you, Ian? Uh, trackball mouse. No need for a mouse Oh, yeah. Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> the unsung hero of my setup is this bento box. It's a typhoon bento box that I got as a stocking stuffer for Christmas. And it sits on the right arm of my chair to prop my elbow up high enough that I don't get Beautiful. carpal tunnel. <laughs> and it has liter- literally of everything I've ever bought, except for this Audio-Technica <laughs> microphone, has been Sponsor him. <laughs> like the most beneficial thing I have added to That's my great. setup for sure. Because I got this desk from a hand-me-down and I got this chair on the side of the road and it's not super high quality. So here we are. Um, is there any, I know we've talked about like advice and things that we wish that we would have done like in the beginning, but for podcasts that are just starting out or anybody who wants to get into a podcast as an editor, what piece of advice would you say to that podcast editor that's just starting out? Just start doing it. It's going to be awful <laughs> for do like it. six months. <laughs> and every single thing you do, you're going to be like, this sounds terrible and I hate it. Mm-hmm. And everybody will tell you, wow, this sounds really good. And you'll be like, no, you're lying to me. You're lying. It sounds like shit. I feel just like do it. you're just I, speaking to my soul and my heart right now. <laughs> dude, I can't even like, boy, howdy. If somebody had told me when when I was a young warthog that like, Everything you're doing is fine. You're just going to hate it for six months. Life would have been so much easier yeah. five years ago. But of of all of the advice that I have gotten, it's just like, get out of your own way. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And every single thing that you edit makes you better at yes. editing. When I started editing for Storytellers, their episodes were taking me like, 20 to 30 hours to get through and it was a lot and now i've got it down to like a tight seven um everything you edit will make you better just keep doing it and get out of your way yeah just do it was definitely what i wrote down for this but i'll i'll add to a different angle on the just do it thing the podcast like sphere is so welcoming and so fun to be a part of uh which is incredibly unique to every creative medium I've ever tried to be like in music in playing shows in, you know, in different cities, I've never experienced the open arms that the podcast network on Twitter or discord or what have you. There are so many creators that are willing to give you advice, be on your show, Mm -hmm. trade promos, you know, it's so cool. Uh, You know, case in point, I'm sitting here, Uh, with you too. Yeah. 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 That, I think that in the back of my head, like I always thought about that. But now that you point that out, especially comparing it to like other creative industries or communities, that is very true. Like thinking back in the video community that like I'm a part of, like I think it wasn't until or since college that it felt like, oh, I'm part of this video community. But even then, I mean, being a girl in video, it was so competitive and so just like, I got to be the best. Like, I remember my senior sim film being just like, my video is going to be fucking awesome. Like, fuck you guys. Like, I'm going to do this video and I'm going to go to L.A. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, I'm not in L.A., which is fine. Both of those pieces of advice, like, hit so hard. Um, I think to add to that, to add to this pool of advice, ask for help. Like, if you're having a hard time, ask for help, whether it is 
editing, whether it is feeling like in a slump or whether like it's like, oh, I'm really behind in this edit. We're not going to make it out. Like, like you said, Ian, everybody is so understanding, like not just the podcasters, but the listeners too. Yes. Like we all recognize like your health is important, like physical and mental and just your well-being. So if your, your episode's not getting out this week, like that's fine. Yeah. Nobody like all your listeners aren't going to like leave you and nobody's going to hate you. Like they want you to be sane and fine rather than struggle through it. I think it was a sense of pride where I was like, I have to be the editor. I have to be the only one that does this, but I'm completely drowning myself and just making me myself like depressed with like feeling like I'm failing everybody. So as a new editor, if you're struggling, ask for help or even and I've seen several people in our cast junkie server say like, Hey, I, I'm looking for an editor like to help out too. There's always a helping hand or even advice. Anybody who is new to the monsters playbook, uh, or shrimp Crits or storytell squad or debate this, uh, we have a wonderful cast junkie server on discord, which are fellow podcasters and listeners and everyone like Ian says, so welcoming and just, have so much advice and it's so funny too, just chatting about the different podcasts and everything. We're getting to the end of our episode. I want to hear your humble brag. When is there a moment or a scene or an effect that you did in your episodes or in a podcast that you edit for that you're super proud of? And you're just like, that's what I want people like, this is going on your portfolio or like, this is what you want to become famous for. Uh, Ian, do you have anything? <laughs> <laughs> I I do I do um and this isn't even there are a dozen moments I can think of that I think are like technically more proficient and like maybe even cooler things to listen to but early on in our show and early on in any new hobby is when you do the most creative stuff you know what I mean because you haven't learned the rules yet you're, so you're breaking them uh, on accident or whatever so Ari one of our characters has this like fragmented memory thing he's worked for fairies in the fey realm for uh his whole life and they've and you know Robin Goodfellow has messed with his mind and stolen his memories and implanted uh ones that aren't real and so one of the first scenes we did uh with Ari like I can't remember if he was going to see. Yeah, he was going to see Goodfellow, his boss. And we stitched in. I had just played uh, Senua's Sacrifice Hellblade on on Xbox. And it was such a cool game with whisper with like different audio directional audio. Um, and she's like whispering and doubting herself in your headphones. And so I emulated that as best I could. Uh, with Ari questioning mm -hmm. himself as he went into the scene, conflicting viewpoints from different directions. And that was super fun to do. And I think it turned out pretty good. I think it might be a little bit strange just with all the directional audio, but I, I'm just, I'm, I am super proud of it. And it was, it was always very fun to work on one of those scenes, even though we don't do them as much mm -hmm. anymore. I remember the scene, I think when your hunters were first going into the wild and Ari's voice was with fate in the background and moving around. That was so cool. Yeah. Like, I was just like, oh, I want to do that. It's so cool. It, 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 it did what you wanted it to do. It was cool. Good. Yes. Good. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of moments that are, you know, just like cutting words together and and splicing things out where it's like, oh, man, nobody's going to know I did that. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, Uh, which is the real curse of being an audio editor is the coolest things you do. Nobody realizes you did them. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're doing your job right. right. Which we all are. We're doing great. I don't know if I have any, like editing humble brags other than just some of the some of the things that I've put together on debate this um I'm I'm super super proud of and again like not to say that I'm not proud of the stuff I've done with storytellers it's just like the stuff I do there is so much less creative yep whereas with debate this it's four people trying to be funny trying to do bits trying to talk over each other and you end up with a lot of overlay and a lot of stuff that doesn't work and a lot of like things that are hard to understand. And so my proudest moments are moments where I've taken just utter calamity and like really spread it out, made it sound natural, made it sound good. Like those are the things I am the proudest of. Mm-hmm. Um, to go on that realm a guest that we had on debate this, who's the only guest that we've said we'll never invite back, was a, a real jerk when he was on the show with us, and he was editing his own YouTube videos while we were recording the podcast, and you know what? I think if you listen to that episode, you can't tell that he's not paying attention, and I'm pretty proud oh, of yeah. that, but wow, did we know, and uh, I... Ooh. Made him sound a lot better than he probably deserved, but <laughs> oh, that's boy. that. That's great. I have very little patience for uh, people not paying attention because, like, I mean, because, like, when I'm GMing the session, I, I don't have the option of not paying. You know what I mean? Like, I ha- yeah. And it's so exhausting. And at the end of a four-hour recording session of GMing a game and trying to keep like, oh, I need to edit this a certain way later in mine. It's yeah. just like, I'm mentally just, so like when I'm, I do get a little put out if I hear people like, you know, oh, sorry, I was, you know, doing this or whatever. <laughs> so I said that that was going to be the last question, but as we're talking, I have a question for Ian, and I don't know if uh, you can answer this either, Matt, but ADR, do you do it? Uh, ADR is automatic dialogue replacement, by the way. Oh, what is that? What is that? I, I mean, no. What is if that? you have to ask. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, actually, Ian knows. So, this is for the listeners. Ian definitely knows. <laughs> right, yes. right. Again. Yes. Yeah, I know everything. I'm super good at this. <laughs> um. So, coming from a video background, that's. I don't know if there is there one for like audio or is it just eight? I don't know if you know Matt. Um, where. You would just like re-record like an audio bit. Is audio engineering like a different? The term? only term I know is ADR, and I tell you what, I make the storytellers okay. do it sometimes. Um, I off it comes up the most often if I have to pull somebody's Zoom audio, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's like I have to pull somebody's Zoom audio for like ten minutes. You know where it's like they said two things. And they can re-record those two things, and it's fine. Uh, we don't do it for debate this super yeah. often. We have a handful of times, but typically it just like doesn't really play with our show. But I definitely have had storytellers and other 
narrative shows that I've worked on. Like real play shows are so weird, dude, because you want them to run that line between a casual chat podcast where everybody's friends and also a scripted audio drama where you have this real story going on. But also like the whole thing is improv, so it doesn't really matter. It's so, so weird. And because of that, I don't hold any like qualms or negative feelings about ADRing stuff in there, uh, especially because it's so much easier, I say, as an audio editor with very little video editing experience, it's so much easier to make ADRing in audio sound similar to the track you have versus ADRing mm-hmm. in video where, you know, if like, if a character is not on screen and they're talking and suddenly it's a little bit louder, that's probably ADR. So uh, I definitely know the yeah. storytellers have done it. I've done it with other narrative groups that I've worked on. And yeah. Oh, so I think I do do this then. Uh, I, I got tripped up by the word, uh, is it automatic? Automatic, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's not automatic, right? No. You have to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why it's called that, but I've said it enough nowadays uh, that it's automatic dialogue replacement. It's probably something to do with video and audio, like the syncing of it, maybe. We pretty much only do it for like um, problematic audio, like if I like if there's a bad chair squeak or if somehow it cut out in the, you know, in the recording or or what whatever. We very rarely i mean we do it we do do it for like special effects type things yeah um and then every once in a blue moon i'll add in an extra description or like an npc aside like um whatever but very rarely do we need to for any kind of like oh that wasn't a good enough scene or what you know usually we just let it ride yeah we usually utilize adr when like like you said if there is a sound that's unneeded um or Every once in a while, if there's a line that just, like, wasn't delivered to, like, the best of its ability. Like, recently I was editing something where Johnny's just like, yeah, and she screams, take off my arm. But, like, Johnny doesn't actually, like, yell it. Oh, sure. (laughs) So, like, we've done that. Or, like, there's definitely been points where just like, oh, I wish my, like, acting was a little bit better. Um, So, I feel like our ADR amount of it is, like, medium- but it's definitely to try and keep the flow of like the story going. Yeah. Uh, how far in advance are you recording your episodes, Ian? <sighs> I know it's the question in actual play podcasts. D- did you say you're a year ahead? Yeah. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's my. That's but my no, answer. No, no, no. Is what the hell? <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay, I need to clarify. So (laughs) as far as, okay, so we started playing the game in 2019, like late 2019. We didn't properly start recording it until season two. So like when the pandemic started Mm -hmm. and then we're in the middle of season two, like releasing episodes. Currently, I'm like working on the episode ahead of the one that's about to go out Mm-hmm. But we've recorded season two and season three, technically. Uh, and the listeners know this. We're done with camp- with this campaign. Like, yeah. we've bottled it up <laughs> and it's done. That's awesome. Uh, which I think the end of our campaign, the cover story is going to be in 
tw- late 2023, maybe early 2024. Wow. Yeah. But we have extra content coming out like you guys. Well, t- to answer your question, we are like at our best. At our best, we're like a month and a half ahead in recordings. Uh, currently, due to the challenges of Ryan and Katie having a baby together, like you can have a co-host have a baby and still make a podcast, you know, just fine together. But Ryan and Katie together had a baby. So like in order to record an episode, they have to have a babysitter at their house and the baby just has to happen to cooperate that day. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, and th- they have a very sweet baby and they're great parents. Um, uh, but that's become, b- become a little bit of a challenge, you know, especially, really just empathetically to Katie and Ryan. Like it's got to be so distracting to have like, Oh, I can hear my baby crying, but I have to act, you know <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have to act like someone who's traumatized about this devil fall, you know, following me a little like, n- like, no, my baby's crying. I have to figure out how to make this human survive. So anyway, yeah. long story short right now where uh, we are, um, sort of in a situation where week to week sometimes it's like okay if we don't record this tuesday then we may have to delay the podcast a little bit mm-hmm. uh, but knock on wood again start bring that full circle knocking on a lot of wood no issues yet with uh mm-hmm. we we've we've always managed to to make it happen yeah i think that's everybody in this sphere i've definitely feel that and then relax and then feel that <laughs> Uh, so you're not alone. Um, any other last things that you guys want to impart to our listeners about the wonderful podcasts that we work on? Listen to them. They're good. Yeah, listen to all of them. Every single one of them. All the podcasts. Even the ones that just hire me. Yep. Those are cool, too. Same. Sure are. <laughs> Love them a lot. <laughs> It's been a joy talking to the two of you and just like talking shop about editing and work and talking with people who like understand the joys and the pains of it. I love that the three of us have such different backgrounds as far as before podcasting and how mm-hmm. that has informed us to more or less the same place. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and we've learned what to do and not to do on this discussion. Mm-hmm. I'll be switching my microphone potentially. Hey, there's a, that's big. I'm happy for you. <laughs> that is <laughs> telling you it's going to blow your mind. I bet it will. And then I'm just going to like cry for a little bit because I've added all this noise like reduction. And <laughs> Yeah, the switches that are on my yeah. microphone that I don't use. My God. Same. And then start bothering Cap about upgrading his mic because apparently Blue Yetis are uh, notorious <laughs> for background noise. <laughs> yeah. I have one last piece of parting advice, and it's be a boomer. Join a Facebook group. Uh, there's like a weird amount of podcast editing Facebook groups, and I have learned more from them than I have from anything other than YouTube. Um, so I really like those. There's actually a podcast that I listen to about podcast editing called the podcast editors mastermind, which is a little bit more for people. If you're trying to make editing less of a thing you do as a hobby and more of a thing as you do for money, it's really great for that. Um, it's a weird journey and not one that I'm particularly far in. So not one that I have a lot of great things to like 
in part, but I will say that a lot of the information I've gotten has been from Facebook groups and podcasts and yeah, like y'all said, the community is incredibly welcoming and everybody wants to help everybody and there we're not at a point in podcasting yet where there is like serious competition in the sense of like, you know, if I start editing a real play show, it's not like all the real play editors are going to run out of shows to edit because there's like 15 million podcasts or whatever. So yeah, just find friends, make friends and you will, you will learn more from them than you will learn on your own. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great way to close out this segment of book club deep cuts before we completely sign off. uh, Can you remind us who you are and who you edit for, where we can find you and the podcasts you work on. You guys can battle it out of who goes first. Go ahead, Ian. Battle complete. (laughs) (laughs) See how welcoming this community is. (laughs) Um, My name is Ian Malden. I am the editor and many other things for Shrimp and Crits, an actual play podcast. Uh, which you can find on pretty much any podcatcher. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Shrimp and Crits. You can reach out to me on Twitter if you want to hire me for your show for some reason. <laughs> yeah, my name's Matt Cole. I am on all social media at MC underscore DJ underscore MC. And yeah, reach out to me, Twitter, Instagram email whatever if if you're interested in hiring me i would love to talk to you i edit for the storyteller squad and edit and co-host for a show called debate this which is not a real play show but is a comedy show about comic books and video games and answering the questions that nobody is asking about them we also have a show called avenge this which is Marvel shit if you're into that sort of thing. And I have a competitive Overwatch podcast because I'm a nerd, and that's called Spectator Dip. Nice. So look for that <laughs> if, if you want that kind of content. I have no life, and my only hobby is podcasting. Thanks. Ooh, such a vibe. I feel that. I think after I get off this call, I might edit, which I shouldn't. But, you know, that's the life. Thank you again, guys. It's been so much fun talking to you. All of Ian and Matt's information we will include in the description of this episode. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this has been a blast. It's been a joy, yeah. Make sure you guys check out uh, their podcast, their social media, reach out, say hello. We all love new friends. And thanks again, Matt and Ian. Thanks. Thank you. This has been the Monsters Playbook, book club, deep cuts. A big thank you to Ian from Shrimp and Crits and Matt from Debate This and Storyteller Squad. The Monsters Playbook is produced and engineered by me, Maya Detchen. It is edited by Lauren Johnson and myself. Our theme song is by Johnny Grubb. And if you like this episode, please tell a friend. We love friends. You can find us at Facebook and Instagram at Monsters Playbook, on Twitter at Monster Playbook, and on Web 1.0 at MonstersPlaybook.com. You can find all of our guest shows and information in this episode's description, and you can come hang out with all of us on our various channels on the Cast Junkie Discord server. That info is also available in this episode's description. We'll be back next week with another proper episode of The Cover Story. 
where, as always, Johnny will have some good news and some bad news. Thanks for listening. I got one of our uh, Monsters Playbook uh, mouse pads. Oh, and it's, cool. It's nice. huge. Damn. Like, it's like. That's a placemat, not a mouse pad. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It's, I guess it's a desk mat, but like, oh, I don't want to like pick oh, it up. Oh, that's lovely. Like, it's longer than a wine bottle. I guess that's a good comparison. I almost said I'm intimately familiar with the length of a wine bottle, but then I realized that means something <laughs> different. <than I> <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>